comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. I can't believe I'm home. And I could ever be so lucky. We're not lucky. We are blessed. Everybody, quiet down. This is the first family reunion we've had in five years. To the future! The future. The future was something my family would never see. You just notice a big pun reference, and you're just like, nice. <laughs> Everything is a big pun reference. I actually don't know much about that rapper. <laughs> but I like referencing it. Yeah. A spandex movie. <laughs> I like my... It's a spandex movie. I like how indignant you got I know, but that, that was too. the thing. Is like I, I, I like read it afterwards. I'm like... Kevin's gonna think I'm like I'm getting a little high and mighty about this, but it's not really. It just it just bothers me a little bit because it's like who would well, say? It's so funny because in the in the episode, so this was uh, WTF th- this week that we we're recording. They just did um, uh, an episode with the director William Friedkin. Yes, and there's a line where he's talking about. So at some point, like really early on, he says something about like. You know, Mark Marin is like, you know, talking about like the movies of like the 60s and the 70s. And he's just like, they just don't make movies like that anymore. And he's just like, and Friedkin's kind of pushing back. He's like, no, he's like, you know, I'm older. Like, those were kind of my movies. But like, you know, there are people now, and I recognize that like people now who didn't grow up in that era would say that the movies they're making now are just as good. And uh-huh. important as the movies in that era, which I completely agree with. But then later he's talking about the treasure of the Sierra Madre. And Friedkin actually is the one who then says they just don't make them like that anymore. And Marin's like, see, see, they don't. They really don't. And he's like, no. And he's like, well, to me, that's my opinion. And he's like, but your listeners are very excited about the new spandex movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the guys who wear spandex and fly around and save the world. <laughs> I just started laughing at the concept of calling them spandex movies, which is now my new thing. Yeah, and uh, Kevin texted me about that, and I did. I did. I don't. I didn't get upset about it, but I'm just like, well, it just goes to show you that William Friedkin hasn't seen a superhero movie since Superman Four, which was the last time they actually (laughs) used spandex in a superhero movie. He probably hasn't. No, I mean, he probably seem like his cup of tea. He probably saw the, the 1979 Superman and was like. Oh, this is this this is whatever. <laughs> this is novel garbage. Yeah, this is novel garbage. I'm gonna go make nothing for the next 25 years, <laughs> except opera. Apparently, yeah, he, he he apparently has made like 15 operas, which, which is cool. Don't that. get me wrong. I'm I'm happy yeah. that he's doing opera, but it's like it's like. Yeah, like, I heard really good things about. I think his last movie was Killer Joe, which I heard really good. I think Matthew McConaughey's in that. I can't remember who's I, in I've that. I've heard one. of I keep that confusing one. I don't, that, I don't think I've seen it. I keep confusing it with Joe, which is a 
a recent with a Nicolas Cage movie that's actually very good. Oh. Um, that's on Netflix that I liked a lot. But uh, I heard Killer Joe is good. I don't. I haven't seen it. Does it involve Nicolas Cage swapping faces with uh, John Travolta? <laughs> then I don't want to see it. Only the best movies <laughs> have <laughs> John Travolta, <laughs> as we're about to discuss. Hey everyone, welcome to Comic Book Logic. I am your host Joe, and with me as always is my co-host Kevin. Welcome to our WTF recap. Yeah. Today we're talking about the 2004 uh, John Travolta vehicle, Punisher, <laughs> aka the big pun. Ten years after Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> ten, ten years after... The travolta did not go in the direction that we all thought it might in 1994. This podcast will... Chart his rise and fall and rise and fall again. No man's career should have that many, should be a roller coaster like that. He plays the illustrious character Adele Nazim. <laughs> Adele Nazim. <laughs> um, so, Kevin, let's start off this podcast like we do every one of the comic book logic podcasts. Mm-hmm. What did you know about The Punisher, a.k.a. Big Pun? I actually remember catching the, what, 1989 Dolph Lundgren Punisher on, like, television. It was, like, 89, 90, thereabouts, Um, on, like, you know, WGN Rain Delay, you know, that kind of thing. It was 1989. And uh, I don't know when I would have caught that. It was early 90s, you know, obviously a few years after it had come out. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. I knew it was a comic book character. The West knew, German production Punisher knew that his <laughs> his thing was riding around in a motorcycle, shooting guys, rode around in the sewers for some reason. He does it a lot in that movie. I don't. He doesn't with, do with, it as much here with Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, yeah. He, he rides around in the sewers a lot. In uh, is my memory. I remember Dolph Lundgren on a motorcycle in the sewers, and I remember thinking like, those are very spacious sewers. <laughs> Every so- remember the sewers in Batman? Those things were huge. Yeah, you could fit an enormous uh, <laughs> Bat- duck, yeah. duck robot duck ro- through there. <laughs> Robo- uh, duck tank. Duck tank. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm a little caffeinated right now. Yeah. Uh, so the Punisher, a.k.a. Frank Castle, made his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man 129, cover dated February 1974. Um, created by writers Jerry Conway and artist John Romita Sr., and uh, Stan Lee provided the name. The uh, the there's a story behind it, which was uh, Stan Lee. I'm not. I'm gonna... Jerry Conway was writing a script, and he wanted a character that would turn out to be a hero later on. I'm not gonna do the whole thing, and it, but uh, he wanted to have the name the assassin for the character. Mm. And uh, I think this was right around the time of like Carlos the Jackal. So Stan Lee didn't want to name anything after uh, like assassin. It had like a negative connotation. It would be like having a superhero or uh, having a hero and being named the terrorist. The terrorist, yeah. yeah now, right. Um, so he said, "Well, what about the Punisher?" And said, and since he was the like head of Marvel, but he was the editor at the time. They were like, okay, whatever. He wants to go with the Punisher. Let's go with it. Um, he's actually a war veteran with the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, he, which, as we know, makes him a master of martial arts, stealth tactics, guerrilla warfare, and a wide variety of weaponry. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, nowadays they would just say special forces, which would mean you know he's awesome at everything. Yeah. Uh, he's driven to punish people because his uh, family is killed in a Central Park by New York mobsters uh, in a a hit gun. It's not like they were targeting They were just innocent bystanders. And unlike Batman, Punisher actually kills the people that killed his family first. Right. And then he keeps on going with it. So you see it's not necessarily 
the death of his family that's driving him. It's something else. He's got psychological issues regarding that he has to punish these people. Yeah. It's a movie Death Wish. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> the Punisher. Um, the funny thing is, is that I always thought that The Punisher was based off of Death Wish. I mean, it, the, the timelines don't match up because this is 1974. Um, and I think the first Death Wish came out in 76, was it? That sounds right. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it actually lines up like one didn't take inspiration from the other, but you could kind of yeah. see the, the parallels between the, the two. Right. It's not, uh, you know, too surprising that those ideas would sort of come about in that era around the same time. Yeah. You know, violence was becoming a little bit more prevalent, I think, in, in media anyway. It was your, you're in my favorite era of uh, New York City, you know? <laughs> right. Pornography grimy, everywhere. Grimy, filthy, old Times Square. Everything's covered in a thin layer of cocaine. Yeah. Or a thick layer of a cocaine. thick layer of cocaine. Junkies just laying out in the streets, <laughs> you know, needles hanging out of their arms, like... Like, that's what I want to see. <laughs> There's puppets riding bicycles down the street for some odd reason. <laughs> <laughs> that took you a while that to get that. That did take me a little time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Superman is flying around for some odd reason. Uh, so, one of the writers on, of Punisher, Garth Ennis, notes that Punisher uh, sees the world that's very black and white. Uh, he's Every problem he solves has, with, he solves with utter finality. There is no gray area with him. It's either you're a bad guy or you're a good guy. And if you're a bad guy, you're going to be killed. Uh, Steve Grant, who also writes on Rope Punisher, uh, conceived him as a man who knows he's going to die and who knows the big pic- who knows in the big picture his actions will count for nothing. But he pursues his course because that is what he has chosen to do. So it's very, uh, uh, not Freudian, like almost Nietzschean, mm-hmm. I guess. Kind of like this, this idea that our actions mean nothing. Mm-hmm. So we, I might as well take this course. I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, Punisher was uh, once Punisher debuted in uh, in seventy. What did I say seventy four. He got his ongoing series in uh, nineteen eighty seven, and it lasted for one hundred and four issues, which was a pretty good run, including two spinoffs: Punisher War Journal and Punisher War Zone. Both of which ran uh, War Journal, which was more famous, ran for eighty issues, and War Zone ran for forty one. Uh, he also had Punisher magazine, which only lasted for 16 issues. <laughs> I mean, Punisher was huge in the 80s. Wow. Um, we tend to talk about Wolverine being like a breakout Marvel character that every, oh, everyone loves Wolverine. Everyone mm-hmm. loves Wolverine of the X-Men. The Punisher was like the Wolverine of the 80s. Even though Wolverine debuted around the same time, Wolverine wouldn't take off till much later. Punisher was huge in the 1980s. Uh, and a lot of people, especially comic book wise, didn't like that because they loved that Punisher was one of these characters that would show up in different Marvel books. He would usually show up in Sp- Spider Man or Daredevil or Captain America, you know, where they could play off of his nihilistic tendencies and his fin- his justice dealing finality. You know, it's very the antithesis of what a lot of superheroes are about. You know, when we talk about Batman, oh, why doesn't the Batman just kill the Joker? Well, the Batman can't kill the Joker because then he would become the Joker himself. No, he wouldn't. He would just kill the Joker and it would be done with. <laughs> we wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing where what happens when you give a character whose whole thing is to kill bad guys his own comic book and make him the hero? What does that say about the universe that you're living in? I mean, that's in people's interpretation of it. But he had his own book. It lasted for a long time. And then people just got Punisher burnout in the mid-90s. He kind of just went away. His books weren't selling anymore. Uh, and they tried to revive it a couple times, They, including one where they had Punisher killed. And then he came back as an avenging angel. Oh, dear. <laughs> yes. 
Not to mention the famous crossover of the 1990s, early 2000s. I can't remember the exact date. Punisher meets Archie. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> I'm vaguely aware of that for some reason. Yeah. Um, About time those two got together. His big resurgence was in the early 2000s when Garth Ennis uh, and the Marvel Knights imprint brought Punisher back and kind of brought him back to his roots. Is Marvel Knights anything like Baywatch Knights? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like a like a sexy, neon, vaguely smoky version of the same thing. Well, it was originally supposed to be like... Saxophone solos in the background <laughs> at all times. That's kind of like the theory behind it. Like, Marvel had this imprint called Knights that was supposed to be like this more adult-oriented books. Oh, man. Not adult-oriented, like, where there was, like, you know, people, hardcore sex in the books, but it was more, like, geared towards older readers. Uh-huh. And then uh, that got kind of flipped into this thing called Marvel Max, because Ooh. it was the early 2000s and everything had to be to the max and extreme. <laughs> so, But it actually churned out some really great books, mm. um, and the Punisher series was one of those, like, really breakout ones, which is actually the series that this movie took a lot of its inspiration from. I leave this as a declaration of intent, so no one will be confused. One, sic vis pacum parabellum, Latin. The boot camp sergeant made us recite it like a prayer. Sic vis pacum parabellum. If you want peace, prepare for war. Number two, Frank Castle is dead. He died with his family. Number three, in certain extreme situations, the law is inadequate. In order to shame its inadequacy, it is necessary to act outside the law, to pursue natural justice. This is not vengeance. Revenge is not a valid motive, it's an emotional response. No, not vengeance. Punishment. <laughs> Start off. Miami, uh, Miami Vice intro. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. man. So re- You'll have to bear with me. You're going to have to bring me through this, because I watched this like a month ago uh, when we were originally supposed was, to record this, and then we we didn't. Yeah, so. we had, we, had a, we, we did Deadpool and had a week. We had a week off, did Deadpool, and then, uh, yeah, we had some issues. Yeah. Well, this was, I watched it before Deadpool. I mean, yeah, I watched yeah, it a yeah, while yeah. ago. So did I. Like, I just watched it recently just to, yeah. ca- to catch up on it beforehand. The movie starts off with the most ridiculous soundtrack known to mankind. Uh, playing like like saxophone, like blaring in the background. <laughs> it's nighttime. It's Miami Vice, um, and two characters by the name of Bobby Saint and Mickey Duca, uh, meet up with a nihilist from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, uh, played by Thomas Jane, who's wearing a blonde wig and doing a German accent about the same caliber that I do of a German accent. <laughs> um. <laughs> He's he's apparently going. There's a there's a, a weapons deal that's going to be going on. But as they're about to make the deal, all of a sudden the police show up. The FBI intervene, and uh, Saint is uh, Bobby Saint is killed when he he pu- pushes it shows his gun to someone else, and yeah. as they shoot him, and it's a big thing. And then uh, the 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 blonde. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. The blonde Frank Castle uh, gets shot by the FBI, and everyone's like, Oh no! supposed to go down this way <laughs> brat, 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 and everyone gets shot and dead but he had squibs i don't 
if it wasn't supposed to go down that way, why did he have squibs? Well, that was the thing. It was that it, it turns out. Spoiler. Sorry. It turns out that but Otto Eddie Jameson <laughs> playing Mikey Duke, Mickey Duca survives because yeah. God help this movie without Eddie the James. great Eddie Jameson, <laughs> who I love all the time, always. And what else is he in? I, I... Well, he's, he's he's he has an amazing recurring role right now um, as the villain this season on iZombie. <laughs> That's what he's up to right now, and he's amazingly terrifying as a as like an arch villain. He's really great because he's, he's kind, so like nice and in, yeah, he's kind unassuming. Of like, he's kind of nebbishy, and but kind he's of, absolutely like when he like he cranks up the menace. Like he does not do that in this movie. No, not at all. But just imagine this character being the one behind all of it, but playing like he's not, and it's just it's very uh, Kevin Spacey in. Well, I shouldn't say spoilers in case you haven't seen. Spoilers for a movie that's 30 years old. <laughs> spoilers for Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Uh, very similar to that. Anyway. It's about 20 years old at this point. Sorry. In 90s. Yeah. 90s-ish. Like, it was like 95, 96, yeah. around that. No, it was a little later. It was probably 98. An overrated movie. <laughs> it's a one and done. That's <laughs> well, a two and done, because you got to watch it the first time to, f- to like go, uh, oh! Yeah, and then you watch it the second time, like oh. oh, that was how that works. And then you watch it a third time with your wife, and you keep nudging her because <laughs> she's playing Candy Did Crush you... on. No, she... no, that's the part you gotta watch. The part she keeps playing Candy Crush on her on her phone as you're <laughs> like trying to explain how great this movie is. Candy Crush is the bane of like <laughs> married guys who watch mo- who like watching movies. <laughs> Um, so it turns out that Otto Krieg isn't actually dead. Otto Krieg is alive and well, and he's actually FBI undercover agent Frank Castle, as played by Thomas Jane. <laughs> and he wakes uh, up and he's... No he's, relation to Nathan Fillion's castle. <laughs> yes. And he's like, ah, oh, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> it, it, like, I don't know, like, Thomas Jane seems like the type of guy who's, like, English does not seem like his first language. <laughs> right. But it is his first language. He's actually, like, you know, a normal American guy, but he just seems like every time he's talking, he seems to be talking, like, in a weird, like, German accent that I can't really... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, this he's is... actually from, like, Papua New Guinea yes! or something, and he's, like, trying really hard to do an American accent. Yeah. Or, or like, like yeah, he's, like, British. He's, like, a British stage actor who just happens to get cast as American roles. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this American accent is terrible. It's like watching You, Me, and the Apocalypse on NBC and you seeing these British people trying to do American accents. <laughs> Actually, that show's pretty fun. I like it. Uh, so... He gets taken in, and he's like, oh, it's too bad about the about the saint boy getting killed. It wasn't supposed to go down that way. Yeah, everyone was saying that it wasn't supposed to go down that way, so <laughs> I'm glad you keep reiterating it that way. But he gets back, and it turns out that he's retiring from being undercover. Yeah, yeah that big, was it. The big thing. Luckily, that was his big coming out party. I'm, coming I'm, out of retirement. I'm just kind of surprised that um, he's the first FBI agent in the Bureau's history who was not killed two days before retirement. Well, he's not a black sidekick. Oh, that's true. So I feel like if he was, <laughs> then this would have started very differently. He was only two days a day away from retirement. Because <laughs> uh, you know what? In the movies, I don't think I've ever seen anybody actually retire from the FBI, because I just assume they all get killed two days before retirement. Well, it goes one of two ways. It either goes that way or it goes this way. Yes. So 
he's he's retiring. It turns out that he's been undercover for a long time. Keeps switching to undercover gigs. He's married to Samantha Mathis. Has a little wiener kid mm-hmm. who's like acts way too young for like his age level. He's like, hey, Dad, how's it going? <laughs> right. He's like thirteen. You want to toss the ball around? <laughs> oh, Jay Will. Oh, Jay Willikers. We gotta move again. <laughs> you said this the last time. <laughs> This shirt's really scary. <laughs> shirt's really scary. <laughs> so he's ab- he's about to retire, and he has he he's going to go to London and kind of just you know go underground. I think is what it is. They're going to they're going to stay there and yeah. Because Ayazumi made a lot of guys angry. Yeah, like you do. Yeah. So he he has before he leaves, he's going to have uh, one last. Uh, party with his father, played by Roy Schneider. Right, they're going. They're going to like Puerto Rico or Puerto something. Rico. Where do they? Yeah, yeah, they go to Puerto Rico because they're going to have a. It's it's sort of like a retirement party slash family reunion. reunion. <laughs> now, with now you know with that... like his eight hundred member family. This is the best thing ever because if you know the Punisher, and you're like, oh well, his family gets killed, and it's just like. <laughs> We have all the family from both sides here, and I'm just like, wow, they really amped this one up. <laughs> right. You know? It escalates from, like, family killed on accident in the park to, like, we're taking out your eighth, co- eighth cousin. Yeah, exactly. Like, cousin Jimmy Bob is just like, what did I do? I think grandma is actually the first one to get shot in this movie. <laughs> she She's is. sitting there in, like, her pink jumper, you know? <laughs> And she's just like, hey, I'm going to go get some more deviled eggs or whatever she says, yeah. you know, and <laughs> she takes a bullet in like the leg or something. She's like, oh, shit, Frankie, I'm here. <laughs> Come outside, peace. Come outside, That's peace. the problem is, uh, you know, that's see, that's the thing is, you know, what would have would have helped it if, if they all had guns and then everyone <laughs> would be fine. Well, before the actual the shootout good guys yeah. with guns, before the actual shootout happens, uh, Mickey Duca is is picked up out of jail by uh, John Travolta. Uh, what's his name? Something Saint. Howard Saint. Howard Saint. The, right. The inimitable Howard Saint. Yeah. Who is the least um, impressive gangster I've ever seen in a movie. He's just kind <laughs> right. of like, you're like, mm, whatever. He's just like bored throughout this entire movie. Like, I've never, he's always like, and he's worried too all the time. Like, he's just yeah. kind of like. Like, he's not in control of anything. He's just like, it's I, like I, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? It's as if his character from Get Shorty, like, yes! failed yes! to break into the movie business. <laughs> and instead was just like, I guess, like, he just resigned to, be, to crime. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, fine. And then several years later, here we are. And he's and just he like, gave up. he's upset. He gave up, like... And, you know, he's upset because his son has died. And right. But I fortunately, did... he has a, a duplicate. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a carbon copy. What was he think? Like, okay, this is like plot point, right? Like writing this movie. Like, what were they thinking giving the one son that's killed an identical twin brother? Because I, I stopped paying attention for all of 30 seconds. And I'm like, wait, what? what? <laughs> the only reason I can think to do that. I can, Well, there's two reasons. One, um, they couldn't get an, another actor like <laughs> the actor just sort of like he couldn't make it and they were like well you know what we got you why don't you do the death scene and then you can just be a twin, twin. yeah or they needed that scene it just gets ahead of it a little bit but the scene like right before because he's the one who he fails at killing frank castle but yeah. he looks him in the face and that's the only way i think it is for 
for for Castle to make the connection of, oh, this is somehow related to that yeah. guy who got killed at that oh, drug deal thing. Yeah. But okay. at the same time, I, I thought that, and I was like, okay, that's a really clumsy way to have that hat, to push the plot forward in that direction. But at the same time, he still ends up needing Mickey and, like, interrogating him yeah. to try to, like... You didn't need that scene. Yeah, I think that's maybe what they were going for, but it was still blatantly unnecessary. Yeah, it it just seemed really, really weird to it, do that. Like yeah. it was just like, like kind of lazy writing. I don't. It's not even lazy writing. It's just confusing writing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Very confusing. Um. So Howard Saint, uh, puts out a bounty on uh, finding out who this Otto Krieg character is, and mm-hmm. eventually. He's like, uh, Sicilians. The... He's like, oh, uh, Otto Krieg didn't die. He's, he's in fact, he's Frank Castle. He, like, he puts out feelers to all the other mafias. They, like, name them off. To, like, the Sicilian mafia, the Tamil Tigers, <laughs> the Jewish mafia. You know? Right. You know? Right. You know, and they keep mentioning The 3-6 mafia. <laughs> they weren't a thing yet. <laughs> it's hard out here for a bit. They were just the 3-6 gang at that point. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they broke off of the Sugar Hill Gang, and it was. <laughs> then they became Three Six Mafia after they got some territory. Uh, yeah, so Frank goes to this family reunion in Costa Rica, and in the most ridiculous way possible, the the family gets gunned out. Every one of the family gets gunned down. It's just right. well, to the love- point where it's just like. You're just like, why did they do it like this? I absolutely love the scene right before that, where. Roy Scheider's like, come here, let me show, show you, you my, my guns. guns. Yes, yes. And he walk I... in. He walks in and it's like, look, I modified them all. And here they are in my little museum gazebo of guns. <laughs> it's like a little world of gun signs up on the front door. <laughs> like, what a why would he even have those? Like, it's not at all established why he's even modifying guns that doesn't seem legal. Now, this is... Well, this is Puerto Rico, too. That's it's, true. It's, okay, so the best part about this is is this whole opening... Tw- this is 20 minutes in at this point. I made a mark to show that it was 20 minutes in before this family gets gunned down. That it's all, like, these little hints at, like, important plot points that are only important for, like, the next five minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, including the, the boy getting killed... Um, the the whole guns in the gazebo yeah, thing it takes a long time for the for the 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 kid oh the, the, for, the uh, uh, saints the saints, saints, saints oh, okay son. right and then there's the 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 crazy black guy who lives out on the island all by himself and the only person who will swim out there is Frank oh my god the, the AKA the magical Negro oh my god that well we'll get to that in a minute yes we have to get to that we'll, we'll get to, we'll, we'll explain that, that and oh, get to that momentarily oh my god so then okay so that but his getting... dumb little wiener kid is like. He's a magic, you know, he's a medicine man or whatever. And it's just, yeah. he just lives there. Yeah. So, Ugh. so the Saints Goons. This ugly t-shirt from the local Hot Topic. <laughs> yeah. He says it's supposed to ward away evil. That's his line. They say a lot of things to dumb white tourists. <laughs> <laughs> so Saints Howard uh, hired guns. Hired goons. Hired goons. <laughs> they, they start gunning everyone down. Just yeah. like in a... And just take out his old family. Roy Scheider. No, no. Because he's just... Because originally Howard just wants him to kill Frank. Right. And his wife... Livia. She's like, like... No, you must kill his whole family. <laughs> he's like, <"Sorry>. okay. <laughs> so right? So right. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> he's married to senior Wences. Yes. Uh, 
Now that's an old reference. I like that one. Uh, so he gets on the whole family, and Ray Scheider, of course, is the action hero of the beginning. He's like, I'm going out, I'm not going out without a yeah. fight. He's like, he's shooting people and everything like that. And then Samantha Mathis and the son manage to get away for a little bit. Of course. And they're running away. They're It's like a chasing, da 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 yeah. And they're shooting at her from the, from the truck and everything. And eventually, they don't die from gunshots. They get run over by a truck yeah. and killed. <laughs> on the dock. They are chased down by a truck and run over. Mm-hmm. And there, there, Frank takes his last stand. And he's he almost to gets the. He almost catches up with them, but yeah. Then yeah. he sees them do that, and then he he runs out there. But yeah, then he gets shot, dumped into the water, and they're like he's obviously dead. I mean, granted, like he has to survive, but I mean, you put one in the dome. I don't understand. Like, how you screw this up. You brutally slaughter, like, 50 people. (laughs) You know, just... Two whole families worth. No question. You know, no, like... You know, they're they're putting shots in just they, to make sure that grandma's dead. They ended the genetic lineage of two whole families. Yeah. Yeah. But then a, they get to this guy, the main guy that they're there they're to take out. They're supposed to kill. And they're just like, yeah, that's that's probably plenty. Yeah. Throw him in the water. Yeah. Uh, this is all right. I mean, gr- you know, whoa, whoa, again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not the face. He need- <laughs> right. Not the face. Right. We're not savages. And I like how they're all, like, ethnically nondescript goons. Like, they could be Italian, they could be Mexican, they could be, you know, Puerto Rican. You, you, never, you don't know. They just look like like nonspecific ethnic. So, so let's talk about him getting rescued by the Magical Negro. Now, I love that this movie has the concept. Now, the concept of the Magical Negro is this thing, like, like I always think of, like, Bagger Vance. The Legend of Bagger Vance. the only reason to think of the movie Bagger Vance. Or uh, Shawshank Redemption's another one. Shawshank. Anytime you get this, like, the wise, old, you know, uh, vaguely mystical black character who, you know, has yeah. this ancient, like, wisdom and for, philo- the, yeah, philosophy, for the goofy, yeah. like, white guy to help the white guy succeed. It's yeah. a, It's a, you know... It's a well-worn Hollywood trope. Well-worn, sad, racist Hollywood trope. Um, I mean, more goes, harmless than probably some other racist tropes. I mean, but, it, it goes as far back as I mean, you could go even further. But I, I just watched Casablanca, and you could say that even uh, um, Sam is follows vaguely. That. Yeah, vaguely, there's yeah. a bit of that. Sure, yeah. it's always that. Like he, he offers, knows this. He if, offers the advice. You right. know, yeah, the, the ancient. You know, mis- but unless I walked away to get a sandwich or something like i felt like we didn't even see any of that actually happen it no. was just like he wakes up and he's like i cured you like yeah he's, he's like, all better now it's like he he did something and fixed him but he didn't even say anything like he didn't have any lines until the very end where he's like farewell frank castle <laughs> right. i thought i was like i have to have missed something like you know i i thought i did too now that you're saying this, I don't think it was actually in the movie. I think I think we are honestly on top of it. Nothing happens. And the thing is, is it, there was no reason for that to be in the movie. There was no reason for him to be this, like, weird witch doctor. Didn't need it. The, only, was- the only thing worse than having, like, a, 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 a magical Negro stereotype in your movie is to not even use, use him. him. No. And actually show the thing happening. But And that's the thing. 
Uh, so Frank goes back and gets his father's guns. Yeah. And he finds the shirt with the skull on it that right. his, his son gave him. And he's now like, he's all, wear this. Yeah. And so half hour into the movie, the movie can actually start. Yeah. And so they switch to Miami, back to Miami, where he's going back and getting, where he's going to go back and get his revenge. And literally, it's a completely different movie. The first 30 minutes of this movie, you didn't even need to watch. Yeah. No, oh, you, yeah. you literally could have just watched, like, skipped ahead 30 minutes and been like, okay, I get it. He's out for revenge. This, uh, okay, okay. I have no need for any of this. Because everything that they set up in the first 30 minutes only affected the first 30 minutes, with the exception of Frank's family getting killed by being, and the hit being ordered by Howard Saint. That's it. That's the only reason any of that happened. Yeah. Uh, it's so kind of just, like, bizarre. So he goes to, no, he doesn't go to Miami. He goes to Tampa. Which, oh, God. Which is the. The hillbilly version of Miami. <laughs> Take that, Tampa. It's, it's like Tampa Bay. It's like, ah, oh, that's where they find nut shots really funny is a place like Tampa Bay. <laughs> uh, I, I can't even. I, I, it's like Tampa Bay is like literally the armpit of the groin of America. <laughs> <laughs> Would you would you say it's the taint? It's it's the armpit of the taint of America. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, I really hope we have listeners in Tampa. It's it's not that bad. Tallahassee's worse. Um, <laughs> so Castle goes in to get his revenge. He goes and lives in an old tenement where uh, he meets up with three young people: uh, Ben Foster, uh, a big fat guy who sings opera, and Rebecca Romaine Stamos, who I think mm. was just Rebecca Romaine at the time. I don't know. I don't I care. I think she was Re- Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Watching this movie just reminds me of how much I love Rebecca Romaine, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. I have no idea why I like her that much, and I find her gorgeous. Well, I mean, she is gorgeous, but I mean, like, you know, normal, like she's one of those people that a lot of people are like, take it or leave it. I God, just... and that's another reason why, why Howard Saint is so bummed out. <laughs> Things obviously didn't work out with her Yeah, <laughs> after that. After get shorty, oh get shorty, okay, yeah. I didn't. I was. I was like, okay. Things obviously didn't work out with her. No, he's, just, he's really. Yeah, he didn't get into the movie business. Yeah. So, so Frank the- Castle apparently gets a wild turkey sponsorship. <laughs> I noticed that prominent product placement. <laughs> the Punisher I- brought to you by Wild Turkey, I- the taste of revenge. <laughs> the t- revenge is a dish best served on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I always notice that in movies like that, where where you have the guy who's going through the alcoholic spiral, drinking straight out of the bottle. I don't know if I've ever done that. Like drinking out of the bottle, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt you. I need to pour a little glass. No, it's uh, it, it's it's the only reason to show that is to show that the you shame know, spiral, the shame. Right? He's yeah. yeah. He he doesn't even have time for a glass. He's yeah. he's not even about glasses. He probably doesn't even have any glasses. <laughs> he's just straight out of the bottle because that's how far his life has fallen. That was you could tell how far his life is long because he's drinking wild turkey. Vengeance served straight, no chaser. <laughs> so he he abducts he abducts uh, Mickey Duca and uh, puts him up, and he's like, "I'm going to burn you." Yeah, the you, fake torture scene. You know, I, now that I think about it, Thomas Jane, kind of sounds a lot like um, what's his face from the Highlander. Oh, I don't. You're the you're the bigger Highlander but, fan. <sighs> you, you know what I'm thinking of? You know the guy who talks like this. Yeah. Uh, he kind of looks like him, too. Why can't I think of his name? Anyway. The Highlander, the Highlander movie or the Highlander yeah. Highlander show? movie. Yeah. Christopher Lambert. Lambert. Christopher Lambert. And he talks like this throughout the entire movie. What do you think? <laughs> it's sort of like the Peter Lorre. Yeah, kind like of like. Peter Lorre is an action hero yeah. for some reason. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how Thomas Jane talks in this movie. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to burn you. 
<laughs> he's like, and he takes. Of course, he's saying it's like it's going to feel cold, and he like takes a popsicle, and he's doing right. that. You know, it's like, like oh, psychological. Such, yeah, he's such yeah. a cold-blooded killer, love for revenge that he's using a popsicle. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really jive with the whole revenge angle. This whole like he's a yeah, he's like gonna ruthlessly you know try to take out these guys. Like it really doesn't jive. Yeah, I mean he. And it, but I wrote in my notes that it's actually from a famous popsicle interrogation scene from uh, Punisher War Journal number one, written by Chuck Dixon. So it is an homage to the comics at that point. Yeah, yeah. But that it actually just further highlights the fact one of my bigger issues with this movie, and I probably talk about it a little bit later, is that he's not like a cold blooded guy out for revenge. No, like he's very calculated in what he's doing, and it's like like this big like conspiracy almost to like how he's going to do this and it's like it's needlessly complicated for something where you just need to go and shoot people right yeah he's just uh he, he yeah they they play him off a little bit like he uh like like he's like a teddy bear you know <laughs> like, like, like he's, he's kind of like a sad like you know he 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 had a bad thing happen to him and he just needs you know some love um mm-hmm. castle starts uh exacting his revenge including uh revenge on the police and the fbi agents you know who helped you know, uh, uncover who he was to Saint. You know, yeah. it, it just, he goes through it, and then he uh, he starts sabotaging Saint's money laundering schemes. And, th- and mm-hmm. this is like the part where I'm just like, why is he doing this? Why isn't he just killing people? Why is he going through and like blowing up his stash? You know, and maybe, yeah. you know, it 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 just doesn't jive. <laughs> it it's trying to be right where he he's like, I'm not, I don't I don't want to just kill you. I need to you know make you. I need to I need to destroy everything. That you've built, you yeah. know, it's like no, you really need to just kill him. Like, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. this is gonna matter to him if he's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there, there, you find out that his, uh, you know, he's finding out information. He's using Duca to find out information. He finds out that Glass is a closeted homosexual. Uh, Quentin Glass is his uh, is Saint's like number one right hand mm-hmm. man, uh, right. and you know, Livia is his wife, and you know. They they set it up so they're kind of so Saint might think that they're having an affair. Yeah, that all happens. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, Again, too, very complicated. Yeah. Saint finds Saint finds out that that Castle's alive, and this is very similar to to the Daredevil thing, where it's just like, what Daredevil's alive? You know, and a dare. <laughs> I did it again. Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool's yeah. alive. Yeah. So. So Saint finds out that Castle's alive. So they send out these two. He sends out these assassins. One is like a guitar player, like oh, this guy. Yeah. yeah, it's a re- it's a very cool scene. It is a very cool scene, and it's a very cool character, very memorable character. Uh, I wish I knew who actually played him. Uh, Harry Heck, uh, Mark Colley played him. I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, I remember looking it up. He wasn't, and he's playing this guitar like uh, he has this gravelly voice, and f- they end up getting to like this this big fight in the in the diner. And Frank just like uses a, a knife and throws it into his neck or something. <laughs> like, uh, he shoots a ballistic knife into Heck's throat. Yeah, that's what he does. Something bizarre like that. Yeah. And then as uh, Frank is making friends with these people in this building, you know, helping them with their little problems, as he's like doing his montage, building his car, his Punisher mobile, <laughs> the Punisher mobile, exactly. <laughs> the most. And once again, the Punisher mobile is used for all of ten seconds in this movie, and then is blown up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Just like what is going on? It's like a ten-minute working on the car montage. <laughs> working on the car, Punisher. Working on that's how you sing it. Fortunate son starts playing like <laughs> while he's doing it. Because being in the Marines and the FBI means he has he knows how to weld. 
Because you learn that skill. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. And not just welding, but tactically weld, technical welding. Yeah, sure. Um, and then the the Russian comes in and uh, attacks him. This big Russian guy played oh, by yes. Kevin Nash from and the WWF. It's just this big punching and pummeling <laughs> scene. A, that's a fun scene. During the opera. Yeah, they're, uh, they're I, singing opera in yeah. the other next door. Yeah, he's singing this, uh, the, the fat guy singing along this opera, and the Russian guy is, like, attacking Frank, and, you know, they can't hear it because they're playing the opera music, so it's a very, very fun scene, and it's probably one of the better scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. and they're going through the walls, like, they go through brick walls, that's gonna, that's gonna hurt. Sure. You know, and Frank is doing all this, like, stabbing him and blowing yeah. him up and doing all this sorts of stuff, and eventually he's able to defeat him by throwing hot oil onto his face like melting his face and throwing him down the stairs in a gruesome scene but yeah. it's very very cool mm. i uh i i have to say that that was one of my favorite scenes also from a comic book that was actually from from garth ennis's run uh, eventually glass comes and he's trying to find out what's going on the the three misfits put him you know hide frank as he's like recovering G- joan uh, Rebecca Romaine's mm-hmm. character sewing them up, and that's where they have their yeah. little. They have that thing. torture sort of scene where they're gonna like yeah. rip the one guy's piercings <laughs> off. Ben Foster's piercings. Yeah, yeah. Ben Foster and Rebecca Romaine also were in X Men together, by the way. Oh yeah. Ben Foster played Angel, and uh, she played Mystique before uh, J Law. Wow. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So they, you know, they're pulling out his 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 little uh, his piercings because Ben Foster has all these piercings all mm. over his face. Yeah, and it's like, oh no, they're gonna they're gonna pull out the piercings. Like, I could think of worse things that they could do to him. <laughs> That's a, that might actually be make him better. Benefit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might actually, you know, realize that his face looks like a pincushion at this point. It does, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not that I'm saying, but they refuse to give up Frank's location, which is why they keep doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it it works out, and you know, because they're doing this for Frank because Frank helps them out. Like he, you know, takes care of Rebecca Romaine's abusive boyfriend. You know, tells him not to come back, and I, I guess he he tells the fat guy to get his life in order. I don't know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm not it's, sure it's, what he does for them. Yeah, he's, they're just they're buddies. They're 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 buddies now. So then at the, at the then at the, the whole the whole dominoes start falling. Uh, Saint starts freaking out because his business partners you know don't trust him anymore. He thinks his wife is having an affair, so he kills her, throws her off of a bridge. <laughs> yeah, you know he kills he kills Glass and everything like that, which leads to yeah. the, the big final confrontation, which is what you're waiting for this entire freaking movie, mm-hmm. where Frank comes in with all these. He comes in with the, with the Deadpool bag of guns, mm-hmm. and he's eventually you know he's setting these bombs off, and as as Saint is having this big party, you know he said he get he sends the. Bu- he sends the grenade or whatever up through the sh- in the champagne bucket. Yes, because he has like his thirty like bodyguard. You know, his yeah. like thirty henchmen, and they're all these guys. And it's like he's never gonna get it. Like if these guys are gonna go. It's like you know, you know, Castle can't possibly get out of this one. But first, <laughs> more champagne. champagne, and then right when he opens it up, he lifts up the bottle. Well, yeah, and he's just like oh. And then it explodes. It's got one. It's, it's it's actually kind of a clever thing. He uses a couple of these, but it's a grenade or like a mine that's got like a string attached to it. So yeah. if you pull it. It's like like a grenade almost, where you pull the string right. too far, like a Chatty Cathy. If you pull the string too far, it's gonna break. <laughs> right. No, you pull too far, the thing explodes. Mm. So he attaches one to the bottle, and then it's like, 
I would have really liked it at that point if, like, the bodyguard's like, hey, champagne. And he's like, you know, it's not really champagne unless it's from a certain part of, like, and then he pulls it. <laughs> Technically, otherwise it's just sparkling wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing is that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! The Saint's able to survive that. And then, you know, Frank, then Frank starts systematically taking out everyone around him. Including like his other the other twin son, which in a pretty cool scene he puts his makes his stick out his hand, he holds the grenade with like the string attached to something else, and he's like, It's eight pounds, like let's see how long you could hold your hand. Oh out. yeah. That's and then, great. And then he's walking away and all of a sudden you just hear <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well it's like when he's outside and then he's like outside well, confronting yeah, cat uh, the Saints uh, Saint, Saint, and then like, he's yeah. just like, You killed my son and then like and he's like, I'm about, and it's either right before or right after that. And you hear the other explosion. He's like, I just killed your other one too, yeah. or something like that. I, I I remember that line too. I was like, he should have just said both. Like that's yeah. all he should have said. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that would have been so much better writing. But yeah, at that point, it's like Saint is like, oh, I'm a broken beat man. And then what Frank does is he ties him to like the back of a car. <laughs> And then he sets the car going, and all these explosions are going off around him, and you pan up, and it's the big Punisher skull. Like, <laughs> that's a way amount of work to do. And he's not even going to see it. It's not like Sane's going to be no. like, oh, the t-shirt from the first act of the movie. I should have seen it. Oh, that's his logo. <laughs> that's his logo. The skull is his logo. <laughs> I shouldn't have killed his family. <laughs> This was obviously a mistake. <laughs> and the thing is, is that there's no high drama at the end because Saint is just so like, what? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I, what? Jeez, oh man. I don't know. And he ties him to the back of the car and he's driving off forward with him. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's nothing. He just he's like, wins at it's the like, end. Yeah, it's That's like it. the, it's literally the confused Travolta meme in right. this movie where he just like looks to the side, looks to the other side, like right. what? Um, it's kind of like the exact same ending of Pulp Fiction, where it's just like <laughs> I left my gun. <laughs> yeah, and he comes out, and it's just my gun's on the counter, and it's like, how am I gonna get out of this one? Oh wait, I'm, I'm not. not. <laughs> I'm not getting out of this one. Um. Yeah, and then of course Frank goes back to his, his little t- <laughs> his logo. <laughs> it's his logo. <laughs> the explosions are in the shape of his T-shirt. Um. So then he's he goes and he's back in his little tenement and he's about to kill himself. Like he's he's drinking his wild turkey, puts the gun to his mouth, and Samantha Mathis just comes up to him like in a dream and is like, "No, Frank, no." <laughs> You have to keep on murdering. You have to keep you have on. to keep going. There are more people to murder. Please murder in my name. <laughs> yeah, Dad. <laughs> there is no God. <laughs> <laughs> the afterlife is brutal and terrible. <laughs> Stay here as long as you can. And Frank's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> he puts the gun down. We were lied to. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Rebecca Romaine's like, you could stay with us. And he's like, no, I have to go punish people. <laughs> I, I think I wrote it down. Hold on. Let me let me see if I... <laughs> Those who do evil to others, the killers, the rapists, psychos, sadists, will come to know me. Well, Frank Castle is dead. Call me the Punisher. God. <laughs> Nothing underscores how unbelievably lame most comic characters' names are. <laughs> 
than saying them that dramatically at the very end of the movie. I can hear what you're thinking All your doubts and fears And if you look in my eye in time You'll find the reason I'm here And in time all things shall pass away In time you may come back Production notes! 1989 was the first Punisher movie that came out. We already talked about it earlier. This was not not the first Punisher movie. Actually, this was... uh, Punisher was made in 1989 with Dolph Lundgren under New World Pictures, which had actually owned Marvel at that time. Mm. Um, I I didn't even know that New World Pictures had owned it. I know Toy Biz had owned part of it as well, and there was like a whole thing going on with it. But they had bought the company in 1984, and this was part of like a whole series of movies that they wanted to make. And as you were right, Frank Castle in that version is an ex-cop who lives in the sewers and acts as judge, jury, and executioner to the city's criminal element in retaliation for unpunished murders of his wife and kids. His ex-partner, Louis Gossett Jr., finally catches up with the vigilante as he tries to stop the Japanese mob, which is trying to take over the city's mafia operation. It was a ridiculous movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was it was pretty much it's a pretty much a movie that you watch when there's a rain delay for baseball when you I, don't have cable. I, I just I remember I don't even remember if I watched the whole thing. I mean, I think I did. I just I remembered kind of catching it and being like, this is super weird. Like, this is not a great movie. I mean, Dolph Lundgren has the look of the Punisher in that movie. He looks like it. There was no skull on the shirt in that movie, though. Ah, yeah. And he rode around on a motorcycle, too. <laughs> Yeah, which you see, I, that's the vision of sort of the Punisher that I always kind of have, and I don't know if that's if that was ever really a big part of the comics or not. No, actually, in the comics, Punisher had the Punisher van, which was a black van with a skull on the side of it, yeah. which contained all of his weaponry. Sure. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, it's better, at least it has a skull on the side and not like... A girl riding like a panther. <laughs> or a right. big wizard on the side of the van. <laughs> he opens right. it up and there's shag carpeting underneath there. Yeah. He's like, you want to get punished? <laughs> Smoke this. The, I was going to say, the only, the only thing more punishing than me is being out of weed. <laughs> All right, prepare to get punished. Puts the needle, drops the needle. Slow ride. <laughs> Take easy. All about that fog hat. In <laughs> um, the movie, for the movie, uh, this was one of the first ones that Avi Arad had. Uh, it was producer on Avi Arad, kind of famous. When he, we're going to talk a lot about him if we're talking about early Marvel movies, that era in the late two thousand, late to late nineties to mid two thousands, Daredevil, X Men, Spider Man. He was kind of like the the brainchild behind all of them. He was the Paul Feig before Paul Feig, you know, had his. Yeah, his role in the Marvel universe. He had said in interviews that Thomas Jane was the only person that he had ever envisioned to be the Punisher, which is interesting because Thomas Jane seems like one of those guys like he just never, like he probably should have taken off and then he just never did. Yeah, I mean he they said they wanted him for two other Marvel movies beforehand, and I, there wasn't many Marvel movies before this. I mean Spider Man, right. uh, 
maybe well, Spider-Man X-Men movies. Right. I, I was actually, yeah. I mean, I was just looking because, like, right, you had, you know, Hulk s- had kind of just come out. The first Hulk yeah. had kind of come out. But it was pretty much exempting, like, the the Sony ones, so the Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men yeah. movies. You pretty much just had the Blade movies, which we talked well, a little bit yeah. about, and then Daredevil had come out. Well, Daredevil had come out at that point. And this was, yeah, this I was, was thinking- the next year... Uh, after this was uh, Elektra. Uh, yeah. And then Ghost Rider was a little bit after that. I don't know if that was a oh, Sony or I'm a Marvel. Ghost Rider. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't can't know wait to do Ghost Rider. I cannot wait well, to do Ghost Rider. I can. <laughs> I can. I can wait. Um, so I, I was kind of assuming that he's probably was, they wanted him for a character in X-Men. Probably They probably was thinking about him for Wolverine. He probably would have made a pretty decent Wolverine. Sure. Yeah. And it may be Daredevil. He could have been he could have yeah. been Daredevil. Maybe. Yeah. This is ben he is a very blank white guy action hero look. <laughs> he does. He very much does. Um, Thomas Jane didn't want to do any of it. He's like, I don't want to do any spandex movies. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> Not doing the spandex movies. <laughs> no, but he didn't want to do it. But he, he ended up like really digging deep into the, the Punisher back catalog. He, he kind of took it on, which actually led him to, I think it was in 2010 or 2011... They did a short called uh, Laundry Day, where he played Frank Castle again in his own self-produced movie. Oh, really? It's very, very good. It has Ron Perlman in it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, 2012, Jane reprises role of Frank Castle in the fan film Dirty Laundry. Uh, it's a 10-minute film. It also has Ron Perlman in it. It's just Frank Castle going to do laundry, and he sees like these guys like you know beating up some other like some other dude and he's like i'm gonna stay out of this i'm gonna stay out of this i'm not gonna stay out of this and he like <laughs> beats the living hell out of these guys and it's a it's pretty fun to watch it's actually huh. more fun to watch that 10 minute little movie than the entire movie the <laughs> punisher the 2004 punisher um yeah jane trained for six months with united states navy seals i kind of feel like that's par for the course when you're a superhero movie you always hear about that i yeah. trained with navy seals to get in shape and blah 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 like who really cares you know at this point yeah um the budget. Uh, one of the interesting things was that the director of the movie wanted to have a budget of around sixty-four million dollars, which was kind of the average budget of an action movie at the time, two thousand four, a standard action movie. They gave him only thirty-three million dollars, uh, with only fifteen point five going towards the shooting budget and post-production of the film. Wow. Yeah, that this movie was made on a shoestring. This is back when Marvel wanted had a long-term agreement with Artisan Entertainment to turn fifteen other characters into films and TV shows, and among them, The Punisher. Uh, this was based off the two comic book series, Welcome Back, Frank, and Punisher Year One. The film d- grossed $33 million and had a foreign gross of $20 million, giving it a total worldwide gross of $54 million. So it did turn pretty a big, a pretty big profit, especially if it's only $15 million <laughs> went into uh, production. I mean, well, $20 million, 20-some million. I mean, it's not a huge profit, but it's a decent profit. Yeah. However... The film was released on DVD and sold 1.8 million copies in its first five days, netting an extra 10.8 million. Oh. This movie was huge in the home home rental market. That's crazy. Yeah, um, it was the number one in DVD sales for like two weeks straight. That's insane. Yeah, people uh, love their Punisher movie. <laughs> yeah, a um, lot of people saying, "I'll wait for that on DVD." <laughs> That's probably what it was. <laughs> and everyone, and then they it. were like, "It's on DVD!" Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was met with mostly negative reviews, nine, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, yeah. based on 167 reviews with an average rating of a 4.5 out of 10. Ouch. What's the torch for? 2,000 degrees, Mick. 
Enough to turn steel into butter. <sighs> Won't hurt at first. It's uh, too hot, you see. The flame sears the nerve and it shut, killing them. You go into shock and all you feel is cold. Isn't science fun, Mickey? So the 2004 movie Punisher. Kevin, where do we begin with this? <laughs> it's a very, you know, what what was kind of interesting and, and the reason I started Wait, looking up on. the list. Can I can I just finish your thought? It's a very movie. <laughs> it's a very movie. It's it's very much a movie. It movies pretty well. <laughs> I uh so the reason I was looking up the list um while we were kind of talking about the last segment of of kind of the list of sort of Marvel movies. And, and, you know, you had the sort of the Sony ones that kind of got the head start, you know, pre sort of MCU, pre, you know, that we, we talked about that starting in, you know, Iron Man. But you could kind of like in retrospect, you could sort of see where Marvel wanted to kind of go. Not that they were really thinking about sort of universe building at this point, but the like this doesn't look and feel that different than Iron Man in a way. I mean, Iron Man is much much better, much much more fun. Effects are much better, casting's much better. This is a very you could, like You could feel the budget on it. But it it feels like it's getting like comic cuz we're in that weird transitional time where, you know, comic book movies are are more of a thing now yeah. all of a sudden after X-Men in particular and Sp- X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. So it's not that unheard of that you might make a comic book movie and this is not a superhero movie. No. You know, Punisher is just like this guy who's got like these vaguely he's got these special combat skills. That's about it. Very He has the typical. skills of revenge. <laughs> it's a very typical action movie. But I was thinking about that as like, this really doesn't feel that out of place, thinking about Marvel movies, in the same way that a movie like the aforementioned Ghost Rider does. Like, I'm a Ghost Rider! That feels very weird and out of place, and it doesn't Kevin, feel Sam like Sam Elliott's in Ghost Rider. But yes, he is. <laughs> Sometimes you eat the bar. <laughs> Sometimes your head turns into a flaming skull. You ride around on a motorcycle. I've seen a lot of weird things out on the road. I've seen turtles turn into bats. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I no can't no one can Sam. do a Sam Elliott. Only Sam Elliott can do a Sam Elliott. No, actually, um, what's his face? Uh, Jim Davis, the the comedian, can do a really, really good. I thought you were going to say the creator of, of, Garfield, uh, of Garfield. No, uh, Jim B. Um, Davis, the comedian. Ah, there yeah. you go. No, I, I, I mean, I think that this this is very movie. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I like that Thank description. You. That is a, it's a very, it's very movie. Uh, it looks like the kind of movie that you would just sort of have on. It looks like, like, name any like run of the mill, mediocre like action movie where some stuff gets blown up at the end. And you're just like, like, this is like, this is so, this is really like, I don't know, Enemy at the Gates. Like, anything like that. Like, Enemy it's just at the Gates like, is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I'm I, trying I, to think of something a little bit more bland than that. Yeah, and I was going to say, Enemy at the Gates isn't really that bland. Okay. I mean, this this is like, take every great action movie of the, 
late 90s, early 2000s. Like, let's look at it in that perspective. Mm-hmm. You could do Con Air, The Rock, Face Off. And those are just the Nicolas Cage movies of the time. Uh, yeah, I would I would say, yeah. Well, see... And what's see? So you named two Mission Impossible. Mission. Um, well, I'll say Mission Impossible Two. Those are John Man, Woo. Were, I was gonna you know. say you're hitting. You're hitting pretty hard on the John, well, John Woo. <laughs> John I mean, well, Woo and the Michael gr- Bay. They, they were the they basically were the... like the knockoffs of those. Yeah. Right. Like the this this feels just a notch above like some kind of a direct to video. Yes. And 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 the only reason I think it feels like that is because of the budget. I think had they gotten a little bit of a bigger budget, they probably could have done something a little bit more with this. Well, I think okay, and here's some of the stuff that, you know, I'm not I'm not normally one to complain when they don't they took away everything that made the Punisher the Punisher the Punisher and they just took it all away. The Punisher was like his family wasn't killed because you know, he had accidentally killed a mob you know, a mob boss's son. Right. The The whole tragedy was was that his family wasn't killed for any reason whatsoever. Right. His family was killed because they were innocent bystanders. It was mm-hmm. a gangland shooting. It just... Right. And even... even Right. So similar to, to Death Wish, but even Death Wish, they were targeted in, in a sense not because of who they were but like they were specifically attacked and yeah. she was specifically attacked and targeted his wife yeah no no they were just out having a, a out at a park one day and yeah. stray bullets come kills family right um and he survives like that's what gives him that that deep pathos that like where you feel for it where it's like you're like you this is not the way you achieve your goals but at the same time you're like Dude, I totally understand. Right. I mean, where else can he lash out? Right. Like, yeah. he has to, you know, that's what he's going to do, and that's where his head is, and yeah, he's, it he's makes a, sense. I know a lot of ex-Marines. I can honestly right. see that happening to almost all of them. <laughs> and that, and couple that with, you can even keep the whole, I've been undercover for so long. Like, yeah. That should screw with his brain, and we don't see that at all. Not at he all. He comes out, he's been like... I've been in, you know, I've been undercover with the FBI and, and, you know, pretending to be a bad guy and face to face with, you know, all of this terrible stuff for what? Like, what did he say? Like 12 years or something like that? Ridiculous like that. Yeah. And it's just like that should he should be very messed up. Well, and and I guess he is in the sense of like, this is the direction he goes. But it it seems so calculated. It's just very like, well, guess I'd better turn into this now. Well, here's here's the thing, too. It's like. He give he's undercover, deep undercover. What is he undercover for? <laughs> what who is he trying to take down? Right. He does. He doesn't <laughs> take down anyone. He just retires. He's done with it. <laughs> it's very stupid writing. It really, it's such it's, a dumb script. Now, this is another one of those movies that like Thor, a lot of people go, Oh, the two thousand four movie Punisher. I like that movie. It's, it's not that bad. It's no, that bad. it's very bad. <laughs> This is a terrible movie. It's it fails on almost every <laughs> level that a movie can fail at. By virtue of just it seems so, and and, and I and I don't and I I struggle a little bit to call the movie lazy because it had such a poor budget, such a yeah. small budget. Because yeah. I think they probably needed they they if they could have afforded another go at that script, if they could have afforded maybe a little bit better direction and 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 um not that the director was bad but um be able to just maybe a little bit m- to make more of what they had right yeah more of a 
more set pieces, more really interesting kind of stuff well, to bring them because it was just well, very like like they probably couldn't afford to show anything in like well, the magical Negro scene. Yeah, well, <laughs> they were just had to be like goodbye, Frank. <laughs> Good luck to you, sir. <laughs> I'm going to leave the movie now. May the gods of Puerto Rico have smile upon your favor. No, I'm going to go before my checks start to bounce. <laughs> he throws down a smoke pellet and disappears. <laughs> no, and then the 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 uh, the other thing that, that drives me kind of crazy about it is is that you know the whole thing is that Frank Frank Castle is in a uh, um, New York City. Like New York City is a is an appropriate feel for this. You know, like yeah, Bob, Bob, like. Like, how could you do anything in Tampa Bay? I just imagine everybody in Tampa Bay is just sitting around going, oh, it's hot. <laughs> so hot. I mean, Miami could work. Yeah, because Miami's sexy. But it's a it's... different, right, it's yeah. a different vibe. It wouldn't really fit this vibe at all. Yeah, like, it needs that that 80s New York yeah. grime. Or even, I, I mean, I guess 2000s New York grime. I mean, it just feels like, this feels... This doesn't feel like it should be contemporary. It yeah, it doesn't feel like it, it. Like, like you could put it. Like, I would say, like, even if they put it in, like, transplanted to Los Angeles, I think it could it could work yeah. well. Yeah, it just it needs to be yep. dirty. It doesn't need to be like just. You need to feel like you need to feel that this is a this is a justifiable alternative uh, response yeah. on some level like well that's why we, we have to compare this movie to death wish we keep bringing up yeah, death wish and yeah. you, you have to compare it because it's a very similar kind of story and death wish is one of those movies that you aren't supposed to necessarily think that he's the good uh what's his name i'm i'm Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Thank you. I'm picturing him and sometimes names i can't my say head him without going Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. You, 74, so they actually came out around the same time. You can't yeah. look at... You're not supposed to look at the very first... Like, I haven't seen any of the Death Wish sequels in a very long time, but I actually watched the original Death Wish, I don't know, within the last 10 years or so. It's it, recently enough that I somewhat remember it. And you don't look at that movie and go, he's the hero. He's just... The point is that he... He go. You start rooting for him, and then he goes too far, and you are supposed to go. Oh Whoa. God! You're yeah. supposed to really pull back on that revenge. It's a revenge fantasy in a very believable and twisted and literal way. This doesn't have to go that far, but that's well, what you really should get in that sort of yeah in that setting that thing where it's like his only real recourse you know the 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 cops are corrupt he can't turn to law enforcement he can't turn to you know the institution that he just got out of that he should trust oh yeah so he has to take matters into his own hands talk about that where he like shows up in front of the court and And he calls out the chief of police and he's like frank castle you're supposed to be dead right he goes on the news and everybody's (laughs) talking about him on the news like frank castle the man whose entire family was and it was like who what? Imagine everyone watching TV like I have no idea who that is. Yeah, as they change the channel, you know, and turn on, you know, a Roseanne <laughs> rerun or something like that. Like, Damn, the toilet's <laughs> clogged up again. <laughs> Whoosh. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much. That's the reaction everybody would have to that being on the news. It was amazing how it was 2004, like 2004. That joke wouldn't even have flown in 2004. It was like, it was like Frank Castle. <laughs> Former undercover FBI agent whose family was brutally murdered. Have you ever... Earlier in the film. <laughs> Earlier in the film. 
I mean, I... I, I oh. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a total amount of sense because another great example, along with Death Wish, is Falling Down, the Michael Douglas movie. Yes, right. Where it's a man driven too far, he mm-hmm. takes it into his own hands, and even he realizes at a certain point that he's taken it too far, right. but he can't go back. Right. And that's Death Wish would would figure that out after like four <laughs> movies. Death Wish, how's Death Wish gonna get out of this one? Uh, I didn't mean to make it sound like Death Wish was the character, but he basically is Paul Death Wish. That was his name, I meant right? Death Wish the film, yeah, as a as a concept. No, I like the idea of calling him Death Wish. Call me Death Wish because <laughs> I have one. <laughs> Captain Deathwish. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a callback. Uh, that's a callback to the last episode. Uh, yeah, it, like you could think of, of the the problem is is that he never goes far enough where I'm just like, oh my god! The only people you're punishing are the audience. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's he gonna go after now? Like, who's next? Like. Well, I mean, what other bad guys in Tampa true. do we well, have to take say, out? I was going to say it's like it's it's so true. It's like because once you take out the the mafia in Tampa Bay, there's no bigger mafia than the Tampa <laughs> Bay mafia, <laughs> right? Like the oh, I got, there's a guy double parked in front of the Seven yeah. Eleven downtown Tampa. I mean, it's just like by the time like I'm gonna go rub popsicles on his back. <laughs> he goes. The the ending sequence where he, he actually starts to, when he goes to take out Saint is is fun. It's cool. That should have been the entire movie. That should have been like the whole third and fourth act of the movie should have been Frank Castle in these big act and not big action sequence, but he's been mini action sequence taking out goons. I mean there was like one small one where they take out like the drugs on the boat or whatever was on that damn boat with the yeah. the, the Cubans or whoever right. they were. Um but it should have been more of that throughout the third and fourth act. Yeah. And then the big fifth act when they ramp it up even more. Right. With more explosions, more guns, more things blowing so up. I think and the then problem... the big skull in the cars. So right. So I think uh, the problem the problem is that this movie tries to have it both ways, right? It tries yeah. to be, you know, uh, 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 an action-oriented and he's – you know, ruthless, and you know Rebecca Romaine is trying to be like, you know, oh, you don't, Frank, you don't really have to do this, and he's like, I have to do this. Like, you're, it's trying to do that sort of Death Wish era sort of thing where, you know, he risks going too far and becoming the very thing that he's trying to, you know, yes. get his revenge on, which is what all revenge stories. Are supposed, supposed to be. be. That's <laughs> why you have a revenge story, because that's the core. Is how do you do? You know, you can't have you know a revenge story. You, when you get revenge, you become the thing. You know, revenge versus justice. We've talked about this a lot. When you now, get you know, your revenge, you realize that revenge wasn't. You doesn't solve your problems. Right. And it tries to do that while also simultaneously being like, but see, he's not really that bad because. You know, it, 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 these are the bad guys, this is his family, and, like, he he doesn't, you well, know, he lets Duca live, and he doesn't actually torture him, and, and he there's... helps the other, like, it can't, like, he's this loner, but then it's also like, but I'm gonna help you, like, I have a, these guys are my new family. Right. Yeah. Guy, guy. Why are we doing Batman voice? Um <laughs> But, no, and it's true, though, and not to mention the fact that they give motivation 
to Saint the villain, who of course is the most exasperated villain of all time, where he just, I just, I, I, what, what am I gonna do? <laughs> I yeah, don't, I don't, I don't know. No, they Frank Castle literally led to his son being killed. Right. So he gives, he has Frank a, Castle's stupidity, yeah. basically. His overacting and like pretending to be P- Bronson Pinchot and 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 Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> nice. led him to this. <laughs> wow, Frank! All I'm saying is Death Wish would have never done anything no, stupid. Death Wish wouldn't have. <laughs> no, and so he has a justification for why he wants to kill. You know, Frank at least his wife wants the right. family. It's to be a killed. very similar reason <laughs> that Frank, Frank has. has. It's it's the same thing. Uh, it's, Kevin, it's almost as if they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, Shitty writing. <laughs> well, and that, and what's great is is that like it only would have made sense if Saint if if Saint did that because like he got like rather than him getting killed, his son getting killed at the actual like the drug bust or whatever it was, like. He should have gotten arrested, and then someone else, like, kills him in prison, like, totally unrelated to Frank, right? And then he's like, well, but Frank is the reason that, you know, Frank's the reason that he was in jail in the first place, so we're going to kill Frank's whole family. Like, that would be the sort of outlandish supervillainy that would justify, like... Okay, I have to go. And even if the the wife was ultimately the one who, who that's fine. Like I liked the idea of having Saint not actually be that bad. Like just saying yeah. like, well, let's kill Frank's like, no, we have to kill literally everyone. Like yeah. okay, fine. Like I like the idea that he's being sort of led around, you know, by by you, his wife, you know, manipulated. Yeah. Like that's fine. Like that's actually kind of clever, but no, it was it was the exact same. It was totally if we're supposed to root, root for one character whose family was killed. I'm just shaking my head. Why are we supposed to thing. root against another character whose family was killed first? <laughs> and and Frank Castle literally started it. <laughs> and no, I I actually think that the movie should have been you know, they could have had Frank as a cop as an FBI. It doesn't matter what Frank was. It's just that his family has to be killed, and it could have been by accident. His family could have been having a picnic on that boat dock, and they just got accidentally shot. (laughs) Right. It's what what makes Punisher the Punisher is the fact that he that it was senseless. His origin was senseless and random. It could have been anything that set him off. He was always on that edge. He always like it. Just all it took was him being out of milk for him to become the Punisher. (laughs) Well, I guess I know what I had to do. <laughs> he's wearing a black shirt and he uses milk to make the skull. No, he's, he, he accidentally spills the milk all over and it goes down <laughs> in a skull shape. <laughs> well, I guess I have to do this. Yeah. The, the mystical shamans say it wards off evil spirits. What, the milk? <laughs> the milk does? No, it just it smells really bad when it gets hot. Uh, is, I didn't think this through. <laughs> It's too hot in Florida to wear black. <laughs> I gotta invert this t-shirt design. Uh, Put a black skull and a, a white, white shirt. shirt. This is ridiculous. Maybe you get it screen printed. Sweat my balls up. <laughs> the sun is the real punisher. <laughs> oh. yeah. Don't wanna yeah. be Play I don't wanna be playing
casting so i figured this movie probably could have been better in any genre director time period <laughs> right so but i i wanted to pick something different because if uh, you did 70s it's death wish as i said <laughs> yeah and this movie should have come out in there's some version of this i guess it did come out in the 70s Please. and it is called death wish but <laughs> yeah yeah that that's the kind of that's the era that we're sort of romanticizing yeah so um, I, I chose to recast this movie as kind of a spaghetti western in the style of uh, Sergio Leone. Um, so but that's, I yeah didn't quite do that. No, but we, you know I just I all I said was the director Sergio Leone. Mm -hmm. So I picked when I was doing it the late sixties, early seventies. Even though Sergio, Punisher hadn't existed, yes, well it doesn't really matter. It's magical. It's fantasy. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, Punisher. Uh, so that's when I picked. The only rule for this, by the way, was that we weren't allowed to put Clint Eastwood as the Punisher. That was right. the only thing. Right. And Kevin chose. Um, Once I put Upon a Time my, in America. Well, basically, yeah. I mean, I, I inadvertently, 80s, yeah. I didn't mean to, but basically, if you're familiar with that movie or familiar with the um, the cast of that movie. My entire casting comes from that movie, <laughs> so right. I didn't get... I actually tried not to, and I accidentally ended up casting it. I'll explain what that means in a second. Okay. Um, so let's start it off. Let's. Uh, you, who is your Punisher? My Punisher. Um, now, I could have gone with the not-so-obvious, and I could have listened to what I said a couple of episodes ago when I chastised... Not chastise you, but I, I recommended a moratorium on casting this actor... <laughs> But I didn't, because screw it, it's my movie, and I've got Bobby De Niro. You got Bobby De Niro. As my Punisher. That's a, he'd be a great Punisher. He, I couldn't. I, I, I had no other... I mean, there were plenty of other actors in that sort of era, and that... I would have um, loved to have seen a mid-80s uh, uh, Scorsese Punisher. Yeah. I mean, it, Taxi Driver's essentially Punisher as well, kind of, sort of. He's definitely crazier. Yeah, that takes the Death Wish level of sort of crazy, and and, and amplifies it, yeah. it because he's he's got nothing. I mean, he's he's no real stake in it. He's just mad at the way things are. Yeah, and it dr drives him nuts. He's already crazy, and it makes him more crazy. Yeah, I Bobby De Niro, great pick. Um, guess who I picked for my Punisher? You you picked Charles Brunson. Charles Brunson. <laughs> <laughs> From Once Upon a Time in the West. You call um, me the Punisher. <laughs> um, I, I figured it was like a toss-up. Um, I chose Charles Bronson just because of, of the Death Wish, you know, uh, mostly comparison. I also said there could be, like, an option. Like, if I didn't want to go the obvious, I probably would have went with Eli Wallach. Yeah. Eli Wallach was my... Yep. He, that was like, if I, it was like a 51% Charles Bronson, 49% Eli Wallach. I, as I was working on this, I, I, I had the, the, the sense that this was how it's going to go, and I 
I did mine sort of in the 80s, and then I figured you were going to do yours in the 60s, so I almost did like an alternate casting also in the 60s, yeah, just to sort of break it out and, and kind of parallel. And I figured you were going to go with Bronson, so I think Wallach was probably mine. I was going to be like, okay, that's going to be my alternate You, you could have went either way. Adam. Yeah. yeah. It um, works. Who was your Howard Saint? My Howard Saint... Um, who actually might not have been a terrible Punisher, but he's a much better villain. I went with James Woods. Ooh, James Woods. Yeah. Yeah. That exasperated. He would have, yeah. He's for sure. great. I, I, I will probably, he's like, he's, he's along with like, uh, um, uh, oh my God. I just, I just, I just totally. Walking? Blank. No, the, <laughs> oh my God. Never mind. I'll cut this out. <laughs> no, uh, James Woods is one of my favorite Disney villains of all time when he played Hades and Hercules. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's great. He's I such been a this, great... I haven't been this choked up since I got a hunk of moussaka caught in my throat. <laughs> huh? Huh? He's great. He's so... I, I want him in kind of more stuff like that, but he's he's a little crazy right now. He's yeah. busy trying to, like, he's, he's like, sue a guy who was mean to him on Twitter, Twitter or something yeah, like that. Right uh, yeah, I don't know. It's He's kind of gone off the right wing deep end, too, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, my saint, Howard Saint, I ended up going with Jason Robards. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. He's a, kind of like a... He's a great villain at that point, like kind of like a Lee Marvin-esque villain you know it surprised me as i was looking at that 60s casting that lee marvin never worked with Leone. i was i was surprised too that was originally my because i remember him right i remember him going up against clint eastwood but that wasn't until no later yeah i mean i i know paint your wagon but i i don't know i want to paint my wagon <laughs> red no. with blood i bet <laughs> <laughs> gonna use old base paint because that wood is pine <laughs> god damn <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, I went with Jason Robards because you know why not? He's he's like he's a great. He's never he doesn't usually play villains, but he he has that menace to him, which yeah. I appreciate way more than what John Travolta did in this movie. Sure. Um, who'd you put as your Joan, your female lead? So my Joan is the one that I accidentally ended up casting. Um, <laughs> in uh, I fell into uh, the casting related to this movie. Now, now the original sort of the the big sort of female actress, a lead sort of female actress is um, uh, Elizabeth McGovern okay. of Downton Abbey. That's <laughs> yeah. sort of the main, you know, that's that's the big. Um, but as I was looking, as I was looking at the casting and I thought like, well, I don't want the whole cast to just be actors from Once Upon a Time in America. I don't want to just remake, you know, use that <laughs> yeah. same thing. So I said, let's set this movie, that was 84, is let's set this movie in 86. Let's say he just made this quick right after that movie, but he wanted to use a lot of the same actors because he liked working with them. I like your story so far. So I, I'm looking at movies from 1986, and I see Labyrinth. Ooh. And I go, that's great. Jennifer Connelly. Really? As my Joan. I was like, that would be really be fun. really young, I was like, though. I really like her. Well, because she was in Labyrinth. And she, I don't think she was too young there. I mean, she was a teenager, but like, she could play a little bit older. And then I looked and realized... She's in Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? I haven't really? seen that movie in forever, so I probably wouldn't even have been able to be she's, she's like a child. I mean, she's really young. Like, she definitely was, like, right at that cusp. Like, she, like you look at her in that movie, and she looks like a kid. And then yeah. you look at her, like, two years later in Labyrinth, and, like, she still looks young, but, like, she's a believable sort of, you know, young kind of, like, lead actress. She's definitely a teenager, but, like... 
you look at her and you're like, man, she's like 17, 18, 19. Like, she's up there. Yeah. Uh, so I liked her for that. And I thought, oh, that'd be really funny. Because, like, yeah, she's kind of, like, becoming a big deal. And then I accidentally ended up recasting with there, that. So There you go. <laughs> That's great. Who Can you take a guess at who I put? <sighs> Claudia Cardinal? Yes! Yeah! There you go. Sexy Italian lady. Mm-hmm. The, sex, the second sexiest I Italian to come out of the ni- 1960s. Yeah. Um she's um uh, two of the greatest things that ever came out of Italy are Claudia Cardinal. Um <laughs> <laughs> wow. I need feminism because <laughs> Joe makes jokes like that. That's like a joke your grandfather would tell. <laughs> it really it's a joke my father would tell. Are you kidding me? Um yeah, you know uh, just super sexy Claudia Cardinal. Oh, I mean, yeah. like she was the Re- Rebecca Romaine of Italy of the 1960s. So uh, there's nothing much more I can say as opposed sure. to that. Um, who did you put as your? Uh, did you, you did you have a glass? Your- uh, I had a glass. Um, that was also from Once Upon a Time in America. Danny Aiello. Oh, nice. I love me some Danny Aiello. I would like to see a closeted homosexual Danny Aiello. Oh yeah, Mookie. <laughs> he looks he's gonna he's throw so the, Mookie don't throw the garbage can through my window Mookie <laughs> it, it's it's appropriate yeah no 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 it works I like it I like it and yours um I went with Lee Van Cleef no nice yeah yeah uh, good henchman good uh, villain good villain in general yeah, I don't um, know if they would have been able to do the the, the closet. No, 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 I don't no, think they would have been 60s. able to do that. No, no, they would. They even would. with them getting killed, I don't <laughs> think they could even acknowledge that on film. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, of of course, uh, my my Charles Bronson and and Claudia Cardinal would be sleeping in separate twin beds. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, did you cast Let's push the twin beds together tonight? I had two. <laughs> Uh, I cast it. My my only other one is I have a Mickey. Okay, who'd you put as your Mickey? I didn't put a Mickey. Think so. about that movie, and who's my Mickey? Little guy, high pitched voice. Who? Joe Pesci. Oh, Pesci is your Pesci Mickey. is in Once Upon a Time in America. Yes. Is great. Yeah, I, like, I wouldn't have put him as your Mickey, but I get it. I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that that works. <laughs> I I have two others. I have a Russian. Okay. Um, I put. Uh, a very f- he wouldn't be Russian he'd be called the German and it was Klaus Kinski oh nice yes oh god <laughs> just to see Klaus Kinski walking around like he's a big mean guy right. because you know Klaus Kinski would do that right yeah. I almost could see Klaus Kinski as the Punisher, Punisher yeah that I was, was, I was that, that, well because maybe just because Dolph Lundgren did it yeah, and figure like, well, if it could be like a like a weird Russian guy, then it might as well be Kinski. Yeah, I, you know, I <laughs> Werner Herzog's <laughs> Punisher. That's what. Yeah, yes. that's what it'd be like. It'd be like, all right, now this time, <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to get revenge, but not physical revenge, but emotional revenge. <laughs> emotional revenge that will eventually take its toll thirty years after the events of this film. Guys, guys, everybody listening to this, stop what you're doing and go watch Agira the Wrath of God. Go do it. Go do it now. And then when you're done, come back and press play. There. Wasn't that amazing? What a head trip. I'm never going into the Amazon. That would be ridiculous. During the filming of Punisher, Klaus Kinski lost his left hand in an accident involving a paper cutter. I kept it. Though they could reattach it, I chose to keep it as a souvenir of how good of an experience this movie was. 
<laughs> we won zero awards. <laughs> I had it dipped in wax and made it the hand of God. <laughs> um, and I also put as a, as as my Frank Senior cameo because I thought this would be great would be to have Henry Fonda. Look at all my guns. Yeah. yeah. I was actually thinking of Henry Fonda as my Punisher, but then I realized that in 1960, he would have been 60 years old. Oh, uh, yeah. Or at 62, he would have been 60 years old. And I'm like, that's an old Punisher. Yeah, it's a little too much. <laughs> yeah. All right, so revenge movies. Yeah, so I wanted to do, specifically, I wanted to do our top three bloody, bloody. revenge movies. And I, and, I, and I wanted this just because I didn't want us to get into any where it was like, you know, psychological revenge or like... I don't know, financial revenge, you know, some something like that where it's like it's classified as a revenge movie. Yeah, but, you don't uh, want a classy revenge. You wanted bloody revenge. You wanted what this movie should have been. Right. Yeah. I wanted like when when you think of like what's a revenge movie, you're thinking of going out and shooting people in the face. Like that's <laughs> shooting people in the that's face. That's one of you know, cutting people up and that yeah. kind of revenge. So uh, what is your number three? Your your, my, your number three my number bloody three, revenge movie. Um, this was it was kind of it's 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 the bloodiest of the series of movies. So it's and it is a little gruesome, but it is Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Interesting. Um, yeah, it is a movie where the villain Khan Noonien Singh with his giant plastic chest. Played by Ricardo Montalbán, uh-huh. wants nothing but revenge on Captain Kirk, James yeah. T. Kirk, who abandoned him on City Alpha Five. Um, the big climax of the movie, of course, is where um, the the bridge of the Defiant, which Khan has taken over, is he's he's about to get his revenge on Kirk, and you got this great James Horner like ba 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 da, and he's like he's about ready to press his the button that's going to destroy Kirk, and he's like. At hell's heart, I stab at thee. Yes. And he just presses the button, <laughs> and it, it sets off the Genesis device. But that movie, it's, it's pretty bloody. I mean, there's like a uh, the the starbase gets with all the people that are killed on it. Mm-hmm. You know, he puts the things in Chekhov's ears. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it's it's a it's a pretty good revenge. They, like, control him, yeah. right? That whole thing. And then yeah. it has the captain who shoots himself with the phaser, you know, because yeah. he doesn't want to kill Kirk. It's a great, like, revenge movie, like, where the villain is just just completely motivated by revenge. I, yeah. I really liked it. Awesome. Yes. What's your number three? My number three is an interesting movie. And before you, you say anything... Um, before I exasperatedly sigh. No, before I say anything, you you may or may not have heard of this movie, but I will go on a limb and say you would really enjoy watching this movie. It's called Star Wars. Um, <laughs> this movie is from uh, 1973. It's a Japanese movie called Lady Snowblood. I've heard of this. Yes. I've never seen it, yeah. Lots of people have heard of Lady Snowblood, and I watched it for the first time last year because the Criterion Collection put out. There was a, there was a sequel. There were actually two of these movies. Um, and I have Hulu Plus, and, and they have a lot of Criterion movies yeah. on there, and it was streaming, so I watched it one day, and I was just... Became obsessed with this movie. So this movie is mostly famous for being the very direct inspiration for Kill Bill. 
Like, there's a lot. I mean, when you watch this movie, there are scenes that are very directly, I don't want to say ripped off, but like ripped off from this movie in Kill Bill. In particular, this, the, where she goes up against Lucy Liu. Yeah. That scene in the, the, House um, of the, the nightclub, yeah. basically, or whatever House it is. House of the Blue like, Leaves. Thank you. Um, that's in this movie. The song that's played, that like Japanese song, that's like um, I can't, I don't remember how it goes or what it is. By the one, two, three, fours. Not that one. There's a song that's played possibly over like the closing credits of the. Movie. I, I'm okay, not I know what you're talking it, but it's about. This like Japanese like song is it the, is in this movie? So it's, it's not done by the RZA. Movie. No, not that one. <laughs> um, it's fan like it's fantastic down to it's. Down to, like, the super bloody, like, the bright orange blood. Like, it's yeah. very artistically, like, like that arterial heard... spray where, like, somebody gets stabbed in the back. And it's, like, they're spraying, like, their <laughs> artery was, yeah, out, coming out of their back somehow. And it's bright orange. Looks like soup. Yeah. It's a beautiful movie. And the restoration from the Criterion Collection is terrific. But... If you only know this movie, if you've never heard of this movie, obviously it, it's worth seeking out. But if you've only heard of this movie because you're familiar with Quentin Tarantino's stuff, like, yeah, definitely watch it if for no other reason than that because it's a super fun movie. I have not seen the sequel, um, the name of which escapes me, but it's, um, it's supposed to be like not quite as good, but still kind of fun. Lady it, Ronan it, Hopscotch Forty Eight. <laughs> When you watch it and you watch the ending, you're kind of like, why is there even a sequel? Because it seems very straightforward. Um, I'll, I'll briefly describe the plot because I know I've talked <laughs> a little bit about this movie. But I'll briefly describe it just to set the table a little bit for it. But um, it's about Lady Snowblood is this, is this girl, this woman who was conceived by her mother in prison specifically for the purpose of getting revenge. And she only goes by Lady Snowblood. She basically, like, becomes this revenge spirit. Like, she has nothing else. Like, she has no other motivations. She knows that, like, this is the only reason that she's there. She's like this this demon, right? Like, this Japanese, like, revenge demon. And she goes out to, like, take out all of these, like crime bosses that were directly responsible for killing her parents or her father and then her mother got arrested for killing one of them or trying to kill one of them i don't remember if she was successful and in prison she's like sleeping with everybody just trying to get pregnant so that she can give birth to someone who will go get revenge for her very cool and she does yes bloodily bloodily <laughs> <laughs> all right my number two kevin you can ask me, am I having a bad day? The answer, yeah. I'm having a pretty bad day. <laughs> it's, of course, the 2014 movie, John, John Wick. Wick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I knew John Wick would be on your list. <laughs> because it's one of the best movies of the last 15 years. Yeah. One of the best action movies of the last yes, 15 years. John Wick is terrific. It is an amazing movie. And, of course, um, this movie was the sleeper hit of 2014. I guarantee you pretty much everyone who's listening to this podcast has seen John Wick. Probably. So I don't need to yeah. go over it too much. But I think what makes it a pretty fantastic revenge movie is is that he's getting revenge for a puppy. Yeah. They and killed his new puppy. Well, they killed his, his new puppy who was specifically, like, his comfort after, after his, his wife's wife died. died. 
Yeah, and I, it's, it's not that he's getting revenge because the dog is dead. He just needed to work some stuff out, and this he is the did. only way yes. that he could work it this out. This is therapy, and what elevates this movie is the absolutely stunning... Fight choreography. Fight choreography. I mean, they yeah. hired someone. I, I don't know no, who it's, it is. No, it's the, the, the director of the movie is a fight oh, really? choreographer. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, that makes sense then. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's it's astounding. It's sequence after it's astounding sequence after astounding sequence. The only reason that this movie is not one of my favorite movies, just period, is because, and maybe I'm being too harsh, but there's this one scene that grates on me to no end, and it's the movie. It, it's the movie. It's the it's the scene where he gets captured and he's tied oh, up yeah. in a chair, <laughs> and he's explaining to the villain. Yeah what like what's going on and he's just like it's good you killed my dog. like it's so it gets so talky and it's so stupid it, it, it's it and it's insulting to the audience because we get it we already there. know like yeah. there's no reason for that scene had this just been of purely visceral you know exquisitely choreographed and photographed bloody as hell movie yeah absolutely not even top 10 or top 15, like, action movies of the last 15. Yeah. Just top 15 movies. Yeah. Because it's it would be terrific. It's it's uh, the the level of action on it is great. And as I said, it's just because his dog is dead. And that, that's the only reason he goes on this, this rampage. He doesn't give a shit. He can, you know, like. Yeah. Like, if they had just beat him up and took his car, he probably wouldn't have cared. Yeah. But it's because they killed his dog and he snapped. He needed something. He needed some way of handling the death of his wife. And that's how he handles it. Mm -hmm. And it's the direction of it. It's amazing. And you need someone like Keanu Reeves who's kind of, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, you don't need a lot of emotion. It's because of the cold-bloodedness of what he's doing, which makes it amazing. I... I have a... And the legend of John Wick itself that they talk about through the movie makes it really fun. Yes. I have a love-hate relationship with Keanu Reeves anyway, mostly hate, but he's... Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ter- oh, God, don't. Don't. Can't do it. Lucy! <sighs> Come back with me to my London home! Oh, God, I'm so angry at that movie. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. He's, your number, uh, your number he's t- great. My number two is a movie that we actually talked a little bit about, <laughs> um, or at least made the indirect reference to... Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, it's a great one. That is bloody as all get out. Yeah. Not quite like... No, it's bloody. It's an unbelievably bloody Western. It's the kind of movie where, you know... It's a movie that should have been made by Sam Peckinpah, but... <laughs> exa- well, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and I prefer it because I was not crazy about the wild bunch when i saw it i yeah. thought that was a little too extreme yeah. for me i can be a little squeamish i can <laughs> oh good. gross um i don't love it don't love the extreme violence but that's my sort of sweet spot in terms of violence like if you're gonna give me something like that like yes like let's let's do it and it has a brutal i mean it has i like you say that like, you you're like i'm squeamish yet i watch lars von Trier movies well but i also <laughs> cringe and wince and look away a lot so it is what it is yeah um <laughs> no that's a that's a terrific because i love that idea i love how charles bronson plays that where he kind of comes in and he's just like he's there and he's just like 
he's motivated by nothing else. He's just there, and he does that whistling. That he doesn't yeah. even have a name. He doesn't even need a name. He's a whistler, and that's yeah. it. And he comes in, and he's just out to to, here to kill the guys who hung his. I think it's his brother, right? I think it's his I'm older here to brother. Kick ass and chew bubblegum. <laughs> bubble God, that scene where he's. He's got. I think that's what he wants revenge for. Is it's like his older brother is being hung, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's standing on his shoulders as a child, and he's like he wants to stand up to keep him alive as long as he possibly can. But he's like you know he's like a child, and he can't. Eventually, he falls, and his brother dies. Yeah, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, anyway. it's 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 a pretty it's a great movie. Yeah, to say the least. Um, my number one. <laughs> Uh, Kill Bill volumes one and two. I got know something funny. What? This is my number one. Yeah, this got to be a number one. <laughs> we uh, have the same number one. And it's I'm actually, actually a little surprised. And, uh, you know, it's it's a fantastic movie. I mean, you put the and the funny thing is, is I know you like two more than you like one. I, you know, and I like one more than I like two. I don't, you know what? I don't anymore. After no? my big, I did a big rewatch of all of his movies. Yes. Well, um, I, well, at least the last time that we had, we had to, specifically yes. talked about it, you said that you I rewatched everything too. right before The Hateful Eight. Yeah. And actually, I, everything except for um, uh, Intoler- uh, Bastards. Intolerable yeah. Bastards. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't end up having the time. I didn't make it to it. But, um, I was surprised. I was very lukewarm on the Kill Bill series in general, and I did like two more than one because I actually thought one was a little too violent. I thought it was just too much. <laughs> and I I came around. Rewatching, finally, I came around. I think it was my third time watching those movies, and I watched them back to back, and I was just like, yeah, all right, I get it. I get it. The... the I I the, there's I don't know how much I could say on this movie that like I I could talk for hours on the Kill Bill movies about mm-hmm. why I like it, but just the 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 sheer sequencing of how this is it's it's systematic it's very Japanese in the way that he films it and as you said yeah. from the the lady with Snow, Lady Snowblood Snow um, there's also a lot of a great movie called um, or I shouldn't say a lot but there's some of um, stylish wise there's a lot of um, uh, a movie called Tokyo Drifter, which is yeah. terrific. Um, that's where he gets a lot of the design for the Crazy Eighty Eight. Yeah, but really I mean, fun movie. But I mean, each se- each revenge sequence is based off like almost a different genre. It's like watching like eighteen different movies in yeah. one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the the writing is just top notch. All of the acting is top notch. The and then when you finally get to the end with Bill, and it's you've come to this point, and it's. The revenge is it's it's a monologue. Bill has a monologue. Yeah, and it's not even like a big fight at the end, like you expect it to be. It's no. it's you know it's the five finger death punch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's that thing that she trained death to punch, learn. Yeah, yep. And the, you know yeah. with uh, with Pai Mei, where, mm-hmm. where you know that great you know Jackie Chan that absolutely insane kung sequ- fu movie training mm-hmm. sequence where there's yeah. always that character. Yeah. Who's like dubbed to talk like this? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, oh. and even the I love the sequence with Bud, where you know, where you know yes. she's got to dig herself out of the hole. God. I mean, it's just there's just a whole, it's it's that movie. Like you could, if you put that movie together and watched it as one movie, y- you could spend days 
weeks, months, just unpacking and, yeah. all of that, uh, everything that's in there, and and looking for all of the references and trying to sort of yeah. trace it back. Like there needs to be an annotated version of that movie. Yes, or like you know something where it's like, okay, this is from this. I would love like a like a like a commentary track or something where someone kind of takes you through like the history of like these well, influences. Where they like, okay, we're gonna stop right here during the sequence where she, where. You know, she she fights um, um, uh, Vernicia, uh the Vanessa Williams. Vanessa character? Williams, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she fights Vanessa. I think her. I can't remember yeah. her character. Uh, yeah, like, this is based off this sequence from Foxy what? Brown, and here's exactly. the entire movie yep. Foxy Brown. Watch this so you can get this <laughs> right. Let's, you know, and then we'll regroup Group, yeah. after we do this. Here's your homework, and then we'll yeah, put it all together. And it's and it's seriously just a movie about her wanting to get revenge. Yeah, and it's done in the best way possible, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that this guy that she met was killed. It's oh, it's so unbelievable. Anyway, if you want to say anything else, no, about it. I I I mean, I think I think you 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 nailed it. I you know, I, I was actually a little bit surprised that this would be my number one, and I don't think that they're technically better movies, I guess, than Once Upon a Time in the West necessarily, but it's a. I don't know. It's a lot more fun. And when you're talking about, if you're ranking movies in terms of the bloody revenge factor, yeah, the, the, you're not going to get your number one. Yeah. The, um, uh, another movie that was close to making my list, that, uh, but just wasn't bloody enough, was Gladiator. Yeah, I did consider Gladiator, and I put Gladiator on yeah. a list not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, Gladiator, just because, you know, it's like, my name is Maximus Decimus Marius, Guardian of the blah, 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 you killed my father. <laughs> you killed my, you killed my, my family, family prepared to die. Well, that was the other one on my list, is Princess Bride, <laughs> uh-huh. but I didn't put that one on there because it's not bloody enough. It's not you, bloody was, at all. Because you specifically like... said on there you wanted bloody revenge yes. movies. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to put Princess Bride on there, because Inigo Montoya. really... The revenge is a um, motivation of a uh, supporting character. Yeah. So I don't. I, I think in terms of if for something to be a revenge movie, it needs to be the sole motivation of the movie to exist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the uh, and that's what the Inigo Montoya. Uh, and you know that 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 the Princess Bride is a is a kissing book. Kissing is gross. Shut up, kids. This is a kissing book. I'm going to read you this story. (laughs) Then I got to solve a mystery that involves Teddy Savalas. (laughs) Just just one more chapter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you met Joe London? She got a murder going on down the street. I got to solve it. I already know who did it. But the whole point of me watching is to see how I figure out who did it. (laughs) I'm going to get the person to confess. I'm um, glad we worked a Columbo reference into this podcast. <laughs> Thank God. All right, so uh, the 2004 movie Punisher. What grade yeah. are you going to give Punisher, Kevin? You know, it's a mess, and <laughs> it's very lukewarm, which means, you know, I can't be that harsh on it because there's enough there to sort of, like, it's not that 
tragically bad. I don't think that this is a D-worthy movie. I really don't. I think that there's enough. There's a couple of fun sequences. Thomas Jane obviously invests. Like, I I see this movie as a... As a, as a, I don't want to say dry run, but like, I see where they were kind of going with this movie. I give this movie my grade as a C minus. That's the exact grade I was going to give it a C minus. This is two weeks in a row we hit the exact hey, same grade. That's rare. Um, yeah, C minus. And I kind of agree with you. It's that the fact that Thomas Jane does commit to the role, he does well with it. It's a fairly faithful adaptation of a couple different things, but it's just so mind-bogglingly bad. <laughs> it's very silly, is the problem. It's a super silly movie. And now, part of the reason why I kind of wanted to do Punisher was because Daredevil Season 2 is starting up on Netflix ah, in a few yeah. weeks, and of course we have uh, the Punisher making his appearance, uh, played by John Barenthal, mm-hmm. you know, from walking you can't it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna rub, rub his, his head. head a lot and oh, get in the house, Coral. <laughs> yeah, um, you can't, can't, you can't protect her, Matt. You know, he's gonna be doing that a lot, mm-hmm. and I could see that, like that being the Punisher that I want to see. This this very very unhinged man, and I think John Barenthal can play unhinged mm-hmm. very 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 well. Yeah, um, and that's that's what I want out of this movie. I want an unhinged guy. I want to see. Charles Bronson. I want to see Michael Douglas. I want to. That's what I want to see. This movie is supposed to be the ultimate revenge movie, and it's it's not. It's yeah. It's a guy who kind of gets revenge. Yeah, he and gets very specific, understandable revenge. revenge. Yeah, and then goes away like as yeah. if he's gonna go be in sequels, and then they were never made. Yeah. Well, there was gonna be a sequel for Punisher Two, um, and it there actually, was the Warzone movie, Punisher Warzone, which got made much later. Mm-hmm. Um, was not a direct sequel to this movie at right. all. Um, maybe we'll review it sometime in the future. Maybe not. I don't know. But we'll get to it. We're yeah. bound to get to it. Eventually. Bound to get to it eventually. But yes, yeah, C minus. This movie was a mess. But it, it, but it wasn't. It wasn't enough to give it a D style mess. No, I, you know, and I and I think maybe I'm hedging my grades against like I know there are some garbage movies out there that we are eventually going to get to and you know we still haven't given a movie an f i don't know if we're going to i i'm maybe maybe i'm sure there there are some bad ones out there. there's some very terrible movies yeah comic book movies that we're bound to get to and i'm and this was about as curious i know i gave a d to avengers 2 um and i think you're pretty harsh on that one and i think if in retrospect i think we would give uh, a D, low D, maybe even an F to Thor. Maybe. Yeah, I think I gave Thor like a D minus, which yeah. is which is probably harsh. I don't know yeah. that I would actually go lower. I don't know that I would go that low now. Maybe I don't know. I uh, yeah. I'm never gonna but, watch it again. But Punisher is about as low as you can go with like a mediocre movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, so go to planetarbitrary.com for your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planet arbitrary. You can follow us, Kevin, at... At White Says. You can like our Facebook page, backslash planet arbitrary. You can also like the Facebook pages of our sister podcast, the Game Classy Podcast, which I host with my co-host, Steve, where we talk about tabletop games, and the Patch Retro Video Game Review Podcast, a.k.a. Play On, where Pat B. and Steve of Game Classy talk about video games. Um, they have Facebook pages as well. And we also, the best thing you can do to help out this podcast is to like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Um, 
you know, we have our own feed. It's the it's a comic book logic. Look us up, you know, and if you want to, you could look us up on YouTube where we also have a page. We put up these uh, podcasts on YouTube if you like listening to it at work or just on, you know, your computer while you while you 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 while you play solitaire, while you play I solitaire, I yeah, I don't, I don't know what kids do these days. I don't know. You do some housework, do some chores, <laughs> or you could put this on and listen to the sweet dulcet tones of us while drinking your wild turkey straight out of the bottle. <laughs> play comic, comic book logic. logic when you hit rock bottom. <laughs> when you hit rock bottom, but don't want your drink on the rocks. <laughs> comic book logic. All right, so, uh, Kevin, until next time. Ah, the explosions in the shape of his logo. Comic. Blood. Logic. Logic.